Colorado State University in Fort Collins, Colorado. This is Agroecosystems of Tomorrow. I'm your host, Matt Wallenstein. Each episode, we feature the stories and the science of the Department of Soil and Crop Sciences. On today's show, we welcome Dr. Jay Ham. Jay is a professor of environmental physics and micrometeorology in the Department of Soil and Crop Sciences. Welcome, Jay. Oh, great to be here. Yeah, pleasure to have you here. Jay, it's been, uh, it's been really fun to get to know you and, and uh, the work you do this year. And uh, you're in kind of a hot area. I know, you know the students are, are really excited about your work. And uh, you know, one of the things they get excited about is being able to play with cool toys. Um, and and so in your lab, you've been you've been working on sensors. Uh, is that something that's that's new? How how did you get into to making uh, sensors for agriculture and other applications? Yeah, there's a kind of a long history of people working in micrometeorology being sort of. Uh, uh, sensor geeks and uh, electronic experts, even though they're in, in agriculture. And uh, even when I was in grad school, we were building our own equipment and things of that nature. The trouble was at that time, uh, you know, 20, 30 years ago, uh, equipment was really expensive and really hard to use. So it took, the learning curve was really steep and it took a really long time to build up enough foundational knowledge to actually build things and put things together and make them work. Uh, so, you know, even when I was in graduate school, I was taking courses in electrical engineering and things like that so I could learn how to put these things together. But it was not very accessible, and the parts were really expensive. And starting about 2005, uh, mainly with the uh, introduction of the Arduino, the, uh, the small um, microcontroller, uh, that's very user-friendly and easy to use and inexpensive. Um, we saw this explosion in um, easy-to-use, low-cost electronics and sensors, and that just really blew open the door to allow students in, you know, ag, ecology, biology, watershed sciences. Now they could come in and actually build their own sensors and equipment for their own research or even just for fun, um, things that they were interested in. So starting about 2005, things really changed, and it's just gotten better since then, even and uh, with the advent of 3D printing and other things of that nature, it's made it even more accessible. So now you don't have to be an electrical engineer to build your own electronic gadgets and sensors. You can you can be working in almost any field and uh, and do this kind of work. That's so that's so cool. And uh, what kind what kind of projects are your graduate students or or even the undergrads in your class working on? What are they making in your lab? Yeah, lots of interesting ideas. Right now, there's a strong focus on soil moisture measurement. We really feel like that's an area that um, uh, needs a lot of development and low cost sensors. You know, there are sensors available that people can hook up to a data logger and transmit over the web to their. Uh, to their phone or to their computer. And these are like, you know, three, four, five hundred dollar devices. And that's just not accessible. We want to develop equipment that can be used by the home gardener, uh, farmers at all different scales, uh, horticulturalists, uh, landscape architects. And so um, we're spending a lot of time developing soil moisture sensors that uh, can be produced maybe just a few dollars a piece uh, and you can make them yourself. 
and uh, they can measure soil moisture across the landscape and, and can be used. So that's a really hot area. We've got a bunch of students working on that. Uh, we also are working on uh, other kind of cool sensors to measure things in the air, or uh, we also have a strong interest in air quality. Uh, we're really interested in measuring runoff from fields. You know, that's a big issue when you have a rain event and, and water runs off your field. It carries away important soil resources as well as nutrients and, and salts and these kinds of things. And those get into our watersheds. It's not, not good. We need to develop practices for that. You know, and the trouble is uh, if you don't have a way to measure things, it's hard to manage them. It's like the famous quote by Peter Drucker, uh, the, the, the business tycoon that, uh, you know, what gets measured gets managed, right? So a lot of the time, if you just put a way to measure things in people's hands, they'll automatically start improving their practices and start uh, taking better care of the environment or producing more food for the same amount of inputs, things like that. Right. In the, in the ag tech world, uh, people get really excited about the digital agricultural revolution and, and sensors like this. Are they... Are they pretty widespread now and, and being widely adopted in agriculture? Is this really uh, resulting in, in, in a revolution, at least here in the U.S.? You know, I think we're at the early stages of this transformation. But I think it will be, you know, what some historians call the second machine age. The first machine age was, the was uh, you know, mechanization of agriculture uh, through the steam engine and then through the con- internal combustion engine. And now we're getting going to go through a second machine age in agriculture that's going to be digital. And um, uh, but still, most people don't use very many digital tools. Um, uh, but we're seeing um, a rapid adoption and acceptance of those things. So right now, I think it's a great a great uh, time for the Department of Soil and Crop Sciences because uh, producers and industry are looking for people to show them how to take advantage of all this digital information. You know, so it's like it's okay to have a lot of cool numbers and fun charts on your phone or laptop, but if you don't know how to make a decision based on that information, it's really not that useful. It doesn't add up to um, dollars or, or improved environment or quality of life. So I think it's a really great opportunity for our department to be a leader in that area. Yeah, and in your let's take your, your soil sensors, for example, Rather than focusing on making the, the most precise or the best soil sensors, it sounds like you're focused on making them low cost and ubiquitous. Why did how did you end up on that track? What made you decide to focus on that that aspect of the technology? You know, part of it's just driven by the uh, by the physics and biology of the application itself. If you think about soils, right? We all know they're highly variable in space, right? So, and and we know that things like Soil moisture content varies rapidly in time, right? So they're changing both in space and time. So what you really need is a lot of sensors, right, that you can spread out across the landscape. And that's true both in urban environments and in in rural environments. And so, you know, maybe you develop a really great sensor, super accurate, but it costs three or four hundred dollars, right? Even even a corporate farm might only could afford, you know, a small number of those, not enough to cover their field or for a golf course to cover its area or for a, a park to get a good coverage. So um, if you want to really uh, look at the soils in a spatial way, you need lots of sensors. So we're thinking, you know, instead of having one sensor that costs $500, let's have 500 sensors that cost $1. Yeah, they're lower fidelity, but we think we can actually correct for that using things like um, machine learning 
and artificial intelligence, which is sort of the other key piece of uh, technology that's going to come into this sensor world. That's amazing. So it's really a, a confluence of your your background and expertise in fundamental science, your uh, familiarity with applications out in the field and, and how farmers operate out in the field and, and in other other areas like landscapes, um, and then and then this all these new technologies that are enabling and lowering the cro- the cost of this technology. Did you? Um, and so I know you know recently you've been thinking about how to take what you're doing in the lab and getting it out into the hands of people, into uh, farmers or other customers that, that where you can actually solve these problems. So um, as part of that process, you've been getting out of the building and talking to, to people that might be potential customers or, or partners. Um, has that been an interesting experience for you? Uh, yes, uh, it's been fascinating. You know, I think um, another fun thing that's happening right now uh, across universities, I think nationwide, is is more close cooperation between industry and academics. And uh, a lot of faculty, uh, folks like yourself, you know, have a have have their interests in, in industry and starting their own businesses. And, and I think it's really a positive thing. Uh, and so myself, I'm interested, you know, it, it's cool to make a nice, um, uh, come up with some fun things in the lab, but that's not going to help a lot of people unless they're just widely available and, and people can purchase them at a real reasonable price and use them. So my lab's really interested in commercializing our technology at some point, possibly. We're not sure, but we've got a lot to learn. And I'm in this program right now that CSU has called Research to Market. And uh, as part of that, I'm learning a lot more about um, how you identify what people really need, uh, what customers really want, and um, finding out what they're willing to pay for and what they see as being valuable, what kind of information or tools they see as valuable. And that's been great. I've been interviewing people in the industry, all different kinds of industries that work with irrigation and water management, and finding out you know, what their pain points are, what, when they think about water, what keeps them up at night, and uh, what kind of tools they'd like to have to alleviate those, those issues. And uh, that's been a really interesting and fun process. Did, did you learn anything that you didn't already know? Yeah, you know, it's fun. Uh, one of the areas that we had initially identified as a potential uh, a customer segment was, was golf courses because obviously uh, they have to maintain really ideal water conditions for their plants so that the courses are both playable and look good. Uh, uh, and we thought, oh, well, there's those. that's a group of people that would probably love to have this new soil moisture technology. But we found out that, you know, in a lot of ways, they're already closely monitoring their, their water very closely just because they got a lot of people and a lot of people looking at the course and that kind of thing. And that actually uh, it might be these other areas of irrigation management where it's more of kind of a set it and forget it kind of thing. So areas like commercial spaces, parks, uh, municipalities like you know if you if you drive through your city every little median and every little area has its own irrigation control system and there's just not enough people to watch and tweak those and tune those up and uh, it just causes tremendous waste of water Um, and you know some cities and some companies that have have started using what we call smart irrigation which is irrigation controllers that are connected to the internet that use weather data soil sensors and things like that We'll just save companies literally millions of dollars in a single year just from reduced water costs. So it looks like our market segment uh, might be more in that area. And we also think that there's a lot of opportunity in ag, both in, uh, you know, like 
the, the variable rate irrigation that we see with some of these newer center pivots or uh, even, uh, you know, uh, controlled environments, uh, greenhouses, grow facilities, and things like that. As, as part of this program, you've been, you've been actually making phone calls and, and calling up people at, at golf courses or at, at companies. Um, is that something you had done before? Is that in your No, that, that was a really unique experience for me. Uh, you know, it's kind of like um, cold calling people and asking them to talk for a few, for 30 minutes is not sort of my thing. I'm kind of introverted. I don't like, I, I would prefer not to have long chatty conversations with people anyway, but it, it's been a really positive thing. Uh, you know, most people are really friendly and once they understand that you're just trying to learn, if you just approach them and say, uh, I've got these ideas, some cool new technology. Uh, I want to learn more about your field and, and what kind of problems I might be solved because who knows, I might be way off track. Can you guys help me think through this a little bit? You know, people are really friendly and can provide you with a lot of really great information. And so it's been a, a really positive experience for me and a growing experience for me because now I feel more confident that I can go out and talk to people and ask them about their, about their businesses, about their lives, about their day-to-day work life and how technology might uh, impact that. Um, so I think it's been a real positive experience. Thinking back to, to like grad school or the early part of your career, were you working on these sorts of applied problems? Did you imagine that you might be flirting with commercialization at some point down the road? No, I, you know, I, I, I guess I never really thought about it. Like most uh, people, I was really focused on science and teaching, right, which I, I still am. Uh, so... Uh, that was my primary focus, and I was trying to do things to improve myself in that area and uh, and develop a reputation and skill set in those areas, train students uh, in those fields, and didn't really see how um, felt like the business world and my world were like two different places, and uh, they didn't really overlap. And so um, here, as I've gotten a little bit later into my career, and, and again, I think times are changing. Um, now I see that they don't have to be separate. They can overlap in a real positive way. And uh, so I'm enjoying that. It's kind of a new fun thing I'm learning. Uh, and, you know, I love learning new things and um, learning about the business world and commercialization of products is just a new fun thing to learn about. Yeah, yeah. So where do you think, where do you, think you might go from here with your, with your technology, with your research here on campus? Um, you know, where, what do you, if you imagine yourself five years from now, uh, what do you hope to, what do you hope to achieve with that? Oh, you know, good question. Um, I've been thinking about that more lately. The, uh, you know, I want to be seen as sort of a thought leader in ag tech and, and, in uh, sensor, especially in sensors and, uh, and, and data and digital tools for ag. And one of the things that's really important to me is that, um, that we democratize this technology. That is, we don't want the technology just to become something that a really wealthy company or a really large operation can afford. That's really important to me. So at, while we're interested in commercialization, we're also interested in continuing to develop what we call open source technology, which this is technology that we just develop in our lab and we just post it on the Internet where people can download it and use it free of charge. And um, so I think, you know, we're really interested in that, too. So that's. I want us to be seen as sort of a place to go when you're thinking about low-cost new digital tools and sensors for agriculture, uh, when you're starting to think about 
okay, now I've got all this information. How do I actually use it to make a decision? Because that's what producers really need. And, um, and be seen as a leader in that area and as a place you might come to get training or to find employees, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'd love to have a bunch of students working in this area and, you know, and, and top flight uh, employers going, hey, let's go to CSU. Uh, we know that they work in this area and they're probably going to have some talent there. You know, and hey, while we're there, uh, let's invest in their uh, uh, program there, right, and help yeah. us grow, right? Yeah, so. I think, you know, when most people think of, soil and crop sciences or agriculture, they don't think of sensors and machine learning and drones. Um, and, you, you know, I think we're, our students today are, are starting to realize how exciting agriculture is. How do you think that we can help kind of broaden that, that message and, um, and get students to understand that this is a place where you can work on really important problems, but use current technology? Do you think we're, do you think there are there are ways that we can uh, do a better job at, at both sending that message out and um, and also once they're here making sure we give them the tools that they need to be leaders and innovators in the field? Absolutely, um, you know, one of the cool things about working with sensors and technology is that it's very uh, conducive to hands-on and experimental learning, right? And we know that students want more of that, right? The, the, the days of just set and get where you go to a classroom and sit down and, and a professor come, comes in and talks for 50 minutes, you know, yeah, that's a still a decent way to deliver some content and to learn. But I think every class in the future eventually will have a hands-on experiential component. And even my theory class now that I teach it's used to be all theory. It's like all math. Uh, we have what we call hands-on Friday. And so on Fridays, um, we actually bring gadgets into the classroom and the students try to use some of the math that they learned uh, earlier in the week to go outside and like take a measurement and do something and calculate something with the data. You know, and the feedback from the students has been super positive, right? They love that. So that's even a theory class, uh, much less these sensor classes that I teach that are all hands-on and experiential. And so uh, I think the students are kind of surprised what they can do. Right, without having an engineering degree or out, without knowing a lot of electronics, because things are just really different now. The electronics and the software is much more accessible, right? I mean, look at the tools that we all use every day, right? I mean, you've got a supercomputer in your pocket, right? You don't really know exactly what goes on under the hood, or you don't know much at all about what goes on under the hood, but you use it to great effect to do all kinds of cool things, right? And I think putting the technology in the student in the hands of the students or even producers is really essential because um, they know what they need to do, right? Not putting an, an engineering firm or engineers but necessarily between us and the technology. Um, let the engineers just focus on developing the raw fundamental technology and then let us applied scientists actually put it to use, right? I think that's what's changed. That used to not be that way. Um, and so students today need to realize that they can... Um, uh, come in, learn enough electronics, learn enough data science to actually go out and secure some, I think, really wonderful jobs uh, in the future doing really important work. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I'm, I can imagine a student thinking about what they want to do with their careers and um, maybe students that are interested in robotics and other things. What's the, you know, why should they, why should they also get a training in uh, you know, soil and crop sciences as opposed to going over and, and just focusing on engineering. 
um, how does that how does that sort of set them on a different track for for a career or you know why would someone want to to need to get that kind of fundamental uh, science background right you know um, in the end you know if you think about the application of this technology in the end it's a plant science or a soil science or a water science problem for example right it's not really an engineering problem engineering is just the tool developing the tools we're going to use so let's say you you know we've developed some weeds in Colorado that are that are pesticide resistant right and we've decided uh, we need to use mechanical cultivation of those weeds right no herbicides um, uh, Who's going to help train the robots how to go through the field and select how to how to look at a weed and how to look at a seedling of a crop and know the difference? That's not going to be an engineer. That's going to be a plant scientist or a soil scientist, right? So um, I think people are going to work in teams, and, and you're going to have to know enough of these other skills so that when you sit down with your team and you got your engineer on your left and your data scientist on your right, uh, and you're the agronomist or a soil and crop scientist, um, you know enough that you can talk to them, right? You, in fact, you're probably going to be more of a leader and an integrator because you're going to be telling them what we really need. Um, and so um, I think the student that positions themselves like that is just going to have lots and lots of opportunity. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. So you've been here at CSU, what, about 10 years now? That's correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, has it changed since since you got here? What's uh, what's different and what's the same? Uh, you know, I came from Kansas State University in Manhattan, which is also a wonderful place, but I really love CSU and Fort Collins. I love living here. Um, I think the student body and faculty that we have here is really great. Um, you know, I think uh, the students are even more so today interested in the issues. I mean, I think they seriously care about uh, water and air and climate change and food production and food security. Um, It's not just about uh, money and it's not just about, you know, making big bucks after I graduate. And that's not the case at a lot of universities, I know. And uh, so I'm really optimistic about uh, the students that we have at the university today. In fact, you know, as a professor, when you're out and about, people say, well, what do you think about the students, right? You know, are they uh, lazy and privileged and, you know, and feel entitled or want entitled or feel like they're entitled? And I always say, not at all. I said, it's one of the best group of students I think I've ever seen in my 30 years career. And uh, I'm very optimistic that they're going to be able to solve these problems that we're up against. Uh, I just... I just feel really good about it. When you um, when you look back on your career so far, what are what are you most proud of? Oh, you know, it, it's hard to uh, hard to nail that down. I guess, like a lot of people, um, you know, interaction with others is probably always still comes through as being important. Um, I think um, the other faculty that I've worked with, friendships that I've made. Working with students is is a big reason that I'm a professor, right? I mean, that's something that's really unique about the job, Um, getting people excited about the work. I mean, just the other day, I got to guest lecture in uh, Megan Schapansky's uh, beginning crop science class, and I got to give my, you know, my best stuff on on ag tech and, and sensors and stuff. And you could tell some of them, a bunch of them came up after class and were super excited, like, oh, I didn't know that this is what you could do in ag, right? You know, so it's moments like that that I think, you know, are really lasting and that um, are really important. So you hope that at the end of the day, the end of your career, that there's a lot of um, 
uh, people out there that have that have made progress um, in their careers because of the efforts that you made. And you know, I also really enjoy uh, working with um, the farmers. I've worked with a lot of really great producers over the years. Really enjoyed those relationships, and now uh, starting to work with the, in the business world a little bit more. So hopefully, I'll build some relationships in that area as well. So I think, like a lot of people, you know, it's relation. In the end, it's relationships, right? Uh, but I also just really enjoy learning. You know, yeah. I love learning. And so having a job where you can come in every day and learn new things is, I feel, I feel really privileged that I can do that. Yeah. And I, I'll say, I, I, uh, it's been, it's been one of my big delights to, to see you, uh, in, in this new phase of your work and keeping everything fresh, learning something every day. You bring such a, such a great energy and enthusiasm to the job that, uh, I know everyone here really appreciates it. And uh, especially our students. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, you're welcome, Jay. It's been it's been a pleasure having you on. Look forward to uh, seeing what's what's ahead for you, and have you back down the road for an update. Sounds great. Thanks for being here.